Yeah, tonight's reading is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 to 18. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind, who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to, according to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Well, it's good to be together at a time like this. And so it's great to see you here tonight. Uh, but let's, it's right too that we, we come to our God now and we ask him to speak tenderly to us. So would you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, we do ask that you would please be kind to us now. And that you would cause your voice to be heard more loudly than we hear any other thing. May your truth be an encouragement to us in our grief now. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I realise that for many of us the news of Mike's death is still sinking in and it comes as something of a shock. And I'm aware that there's a whole different range of things that we're feeling right now. Some of us didn't know Mike well, and so hearing of his death is like hearing of the death of someone in a newspaper, and that's okay. We're really glad you're with us here tonight. But for many of us, there is a great grief that surrounds today, a great sense of sadness and of loss, and grief often brings with it shock that moves into confusion as we ask ourselves how and why something like this could have happened. And that usually gives way to a profound sadness as we come to accept what's taken place. And grief is a valid response, an entirely proper response to something like this. The world that you and I inhabit is a world where death is inescapable. And so grief is rational and sane and entirely appropriate. And griefs like this can remind us of a time or even times when we have perhaps heard similar news. Grief has a way of reminding us of other griefs, even from long ago. A sadness like this one tends to draw towards itself even greater sadness. Uh, like a, a snowball kind of gain size as it rolls downhill. And no doubt in now and in the, the days and the weeks ahead we will feel a great many things. The death of someone we love does that to us. And that's why I wanted to speak to you today about 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Because this is a passage that speaks to us about grief. It speaks to us about the grief we feel at the death of a Christian brother or sister. And it speaks to us in exactly the situation we find ourselves now. A church that's grieving. And it teaches us how to grieve. And this passage has an extraordinary message because it says to us that Christians grieve 
in a way that is completely different from everyone else in the world. That Christians grieve in a unique way because Christians grieve, but not as those who have no hope. When we grieve the death of Mike, when we grieve the death of any Christian brother or sister, we are actually capable of experiencing that grief, but intermingled with it, we're also capable of experiencing great joy and great hope. And that is something very special. And we can do that because we know that death is not the end. Death is not the end. Let me remind you of just a few verses from 1 Thessalonians 4 that we just read. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Now what this is saying is that actually there is a world of difference between the funeral of someone who belongs to Jesus Christ and the funeral of someone who doesn't belong to Jesus Christ. There's a world of difference between the funeral of a believer and the funeral of an unbeliever. Uh, Paul reminds us here in verse 13 that the vast majority of people in our world today can't grieve as those who have hope because they do not have any hope. And so when they come to to their funerals, what they can utter is platitudes to one another about that, that friend and family member, about what a good person they were. They can say to each other repeatedly that their, their friend has, has gone to a better place or how death is just another part of life or how it's just you know, another step in the journey. It's nothing to be afraid of. Death is, is nothing at all. It's just like they've slipped away into the next room. They're still watching over that. They can say all these sorts of things, but the reality is that they speak as someone trying to persuade themselves. And quite frankly, they have no clue what they're talking about. And so when you go to one of their funerals, when you go to a funeral of those who have no hope, it's deeply disturbing. Because they have no hope, they also deny you the chance to grieve. They deny you the opportunity to mourn the one that they have lost. They deny the, that human response that we have when we lose someone. They won't let you get mad at death. And they won't let you get sad at death. The funeral of an unbeliever, you have no hope and so you're not allowed to grieve. You have nothing. It's, it's sterile. It's lifeless. They replace grief with nothing more than wishful thinking. But how different is it here in God's word? At a Christian funeral, we grieve. Our grief is real. At a Christian funeral, we are allowed to acknowledge that even though death is the universal human reality, it is still wrong. This is wrong. Mike should not have died. Mike had had so much left to do. He had a wife to love. He had three boys to raise. He had a a fruitful ministry here amongst us. 
He was surrounded by people who loved him and who respected him and who cared for him. It is wrong that he's gone. At a Christian funeral, we can talk about how in a universe of death, the only universe we have ever known, we still don't feel at home. It still doesn't feel right. It feels anything but natural. At a Christian funeral, we can acknowledge that. We can talk about that. Death is not a friend to be understood, to be accepted. Death is alien. Death is an intruder. Death is an enemy to be defeated. Death is a predator that takes everything from us. It takes our friends. It takes our families. It takes our happiness. And one day it will even take us. Death takes everything but it cannot take our hope. That's the one thing that death cannot take from us. Death cannot take our hope because Jesus has conquered death. That's what verse 14 says. Because Jesus died and rose again, we can grieve with hope because we know that the Jesus who did die and rise again means that he has conquered death in himself and now he is well able to conquer it for those who trust in him. And Mike did trust in him. Mike knew that he could not earn God's approval. Mike knew that there was nothing that he could do to make himself right with God. He knew that he depended utterly on the death and the resurrection of Jesus to make him right with God. And so Mike trusted Jesus to the very end. And that makes all the difference. It means that Mike left this life in Jesus' keeping. Mike fell asleep in Jesus. And just as Jesus died and and rose again, And we believe that when he comes, he will perfect his reign. And when he comes, he will bring Mike with him, as well as all of those who have died trusting in Jesus. And so that's why we can have grief with hope. Jesus has promised to share his victory with death with all of his people both those who are alive and those who have already died. And that's what verses 16 to 18 are about in in this passage. They're they're strange verses, perhaps a little mysterious to us at first glance. What the Thessalonians were worried about is they were worried about those who had already died. This was the first generation of Christians. Some of them had already died, but many of them were still living. And they were worried that perhaps maybe those who had already died would miss out on the coming of the Lord. They would miss out on the great and glorious promises that the Lord Jesus had made about when he would return. And Paul's point is quite simple. It's this. It's no, they will not miss out. In fact, they'll go to be with Christ first. They'll be the first in line to be with Jesus. When the trumpet sounds, when the trumpet sounds and the trumpet is always the the signal that it's time to meet our King. When the trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ will rise first and they'll go and and meet with him in the air, it says in verse 17. 
And that little verse, verse 17, it can be a little bit confusing. I think uh, sometimes the picture we tend to get from verse 17 is of us kind of floating up into the clouds and that that's somehow where we will spend the rest of eternity in some sort of ephemeral or ethereal future amongst the clouds. Uh, But actually that's not what verse 17 means at all. Uh, The picture that we're meant to get from verse 17 is very different. It's uh, it's to imagine that actually we're living in a city uh, and that uh, one day we see our king coming, our king returning. He's coming home from battle where he's won a great victory over the enemy. And we've heard the good news. We've heard that the gospel of his victory. And now here we are waiting for our king and we see him coming. And so we rush out to meet him. We rush out to greet him. And so we become part of his entourage. We become one of his followers as we, we re-enter the city in triumphant procession, coming back with all the spoils of victory. It's a picture, really, of us participating in our king's, king's victory. Not that we fought the battle, Jesus did that. But now we share his victory. Verse 17 is describing the way we welcome a victorious king and we share in his conquering. That's the promise of these verses. That you and I are going to share in the ultimate victory of Jesus Christ, his victory over death. The ancient enemy that has so long stalked us is finally defeated. And we're not going to float into the kingdom of heaven. No, we're going to walk, we're going to run, we're going to skip, we're going to dance, we're going to sing. And that's the only real defeat of death. And so says Paul to the Thessalonians, when a Christian, when someone who trusts in Jesus, when Mike, when they died, it's just like they're sleeping. Yes, they've closed their eyes, but they'll open again. Yes, they've laid down in death, but one day they'll sit up and they'll stand up And they'll walk again. Yes, at a Christian funeral, at a time like this, we grieve. We are allowed the wonderful freedom to grieve, to acknowledge the real loss that we feel. But we grieve with hope, with certainty, with security. Because this is but sleep. And there will be an awakening. Death cannot hold us down because Jesus has won the victory. And that is the completely certain promise from a completely trustworthy person that he will share his victory with us when he returns again. So do you see it yet? The grief we feel today, it's not for Mike. The grief we feel today, it's for Vicky, it's for Isaac and Daniel and for Benji, it's for the rest of their family, it's for us. We miss a dear brother, a pastor and a teacher. But it's not for Mike. Philippians chapter 1 verse 21 says that to live is Christ and to die is gain. And that's the perspective we have when we hope in Christ. 
Death for Mike, as it is for any believer, is gain. It is better. Yesterday, Mike gained so much. Because it's through death that he enters into the very presence of Jesus himself. And there's nothing that this world can offer that comes anywhere near to matching the blessings of being in Christ's presence. I mean, even just to think of one, uh, Mike was always so eager to pray. And yet Mike will never need pray again. For he can speak with his saviour face to face. Mike's death is, is deeply sad, but it's sad for us who are left behind. And there are layers of sadness to this that we're just beginning to experience. But Mike has been given relief from all the troubles of this world. He's been given access to the unimaginable joys of heaven. To that place where there is no more mourning or crying or tears or pain because the lamb was slain and the lion of Judah is there. He has, as an older generation of Christians once put it, Mike has been promoted to glory. What a wonderful saying. D.L. Moody, an 18th century American evangelist, he said this when he was dying. He said, Someday you will read in the papers that D.L. Moody of East Northfield is dead. Don't you believe a word of it? At that moment I shall be more alive than I am now. I shall have gone up higher, that is all, out of this old clay tenement into a house that is immortal, a body that death cannot touch, that sin cannot taint, a body fashioned like unto his glorious body. Today you have heard the news that Mike Horgan of Gwellop is dead. Don't you believe it for a moment. Yes, he's died, but he's not dead. He's more alive now than he has ever been. It's just that he's gone up higher. He's left his jar of clay for a house that is immortal, a new resurrected body that death cannot touch, that sin cannot taint. A body fashioned like Jesus' glorious body. And he is waiting for us to join him. And on that day when we do join him, we'll see Mike and, and we'll see each other and, and we'll say to each other, you look amazing. You look great. And you know what? I, I saw glimpses of this before. Little glimpses of it. But now I see it fully. Now I see you new and yet being made newer every day. Now I see you made beautiful and yet growing more beautiful every day because now I see you made like Jesus. That's the grief we face now. But it's not for Mike. It's for us. It's the grief of having to speak of Mike now in the past tense. 
And that's hard to get used to. It's hard to accept. It's, it's painful. But Mike wouldn't want us to just dwell on this and, and end there. Mike would want us to think about ourselves as well. Uh, Mike would want us to accept that, yes, we do need to speak of our life with Mike now in the past tense. But Mike would also want us to, to remember that once we've confronted that sad reality, we're also confronted with the reality that one day we will all be spoken of in the past tense. That we all face death. And that ought to make us think about how we should live our life with the time that we have left. That ought to make us remember God. To seek our creator in the days of our youth. To turn, our, to turn back to, to God in, in repentance and, and in faith. To consider what it means to, to live well in God's world. That's what Mike would have wanted us to do. To ask ourselves the question, this promise of, of resurrection life that 1 Thessalonians 4 brings us, is that our hope? Is that what we've put our trust in? Is that the future that we look forward to? Because that's the future we can have in Jesus. See, in the face of death, people do many different things. But in the face of death, Christians thank God. It's an extraordinary thing that we do, but we do. In the face of death, Christians thank God. We thank God for Jesus. Jesus who emerged from his contest with death victorious. Jesus who stripped the grave of its powers. Jesus who paid for sin by his blood. And we thank God for Jesus because without Jesus, we couldn't contemplate our own mortality without terror. We couldn't grieve with any hope at all. And we certainly couldn't have that perspective that to die is gain. None of that is possible except by the victory of Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection. And so it's vital that today, in this saddest of days, as it is every day, that we give ourselves to thanking God and honouring Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's what Mike will be doing for all eternity from now on. Honouring Christ. And I'd invite you to join him in that now. Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's take a moment or two to pray privately before I lead us in prayer. We've stopped like this today to think about these things because we consider it a great privilege to have been called by you not just to be your children, but to be brothers and sisters with one another in this family. And today we are a family in grief. We've lost a brother, a teacher, a pastor, a friend. 
and we're sad and we're shocked and we feel a great sense of loss. And Lord, we thank you that you know these things. And then you meet with us today and speak to us and and minister to our hearts through one another and through your precious word. Lord, we thank you for Mike. We thank you that you made him. We thank you that you saved him. We thank you that you gifted him. We thank you for all that he taught us. We thank you for the example that he was to us in so many ways. Lord, we praise you for the faithful servant of Christ that Mike was amongst us for so long. Father, we want to pray for Mike's family, for Vicky, for Isaac, for Daniel, for Benji, for all the other family members and and friends. Lord, we pray that for all who grieve, that you would be generous in your comfort and that you would deal tenderly with them and with us. We even ask, Lord, that you would please be at work through this tragic sadness to point people's attention to the one who has conquered death and now offers life. But, Lord, we know that this won't be our our last experience of grief in this world. Please, will you continue to help us to remember you, to grieve with great hope, To live like Christ matters more than anything else because he does. To see death as gain, a great promotion to glory. And because we know these things to be true, we want to give you our praise and our honour. We want to thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. He has won the victory that we now share. That means that this day, not only are we a family in grief, but we're also a family with hope and a family with joy. And for that we honour you. Amen.